and I are extremely giddy, extremely happy, extremely proud to bring you. The Adolescentia Project was one of them. Uh, time travel was one more for Teebs, but this one, oh my God. I can't tell you how excited I am to finally talk about this. This is going to be amazing. And we could not do this alone. Teebs and I definitely have aliens bona fides, but it's always nice to bring in a third person. And that being said, one of my dearest trusted friends, one of the leaders of the Ravenwood PMC group that I game with. <laughs> and when the game comes out, he will be the third member of Teeves and Kid Phoenix's fire team, my friend and pal, Mr. Corey Slayton. How's everybody doing today? <laughs> um, just, just wait on the reviews before we run out and buy fire team. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yes, wait, wait, wait till the weekend of it dropping, and then we can buy it. I would say wait until actually the next week. No, 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 no. You don't have to wait that long. If it's bad, okay. we'll know. The, we'll know right away. All right. And also, it can't be any buggier than cyberpunk. So you know what? There's that. There will be a bigger firestorm than Ripley against the alien queen if it's bad. <laughs> Trust me. Nice. So okay, first, the internet. First. So the internet is well aware of Teeves and I's bona fides. But I mean, look, all you got to do is look over here, over my right shoulder, over my right shoulder, um, and you'll see my aliens bona fides. But to test Corey's aliens bona fides, and I'm sure he'll have no problem doing this. Corey, why don't you go ahead and list all of the Colonial Marines and their uh, ranks. And you can do that in order if you want to. Oh, you're going to give me the gender question. Okay, I, I see how it is. <laughs> gender is a mutual friend of ours who's also big into the aliens ethos. <laughs> He he can he can name all of the, the the Marines in his sleep, which is disturbing <laughs> because I've asked him this question and he started rattling them off. It's kind of disturbing. Um, I think the bigger I think the bigger question is can he do it in his hyper sleep? Hyper sleep? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of that on this podcast. In case you okay, haven't wait, noticed. wait, 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 wait. Wait, just one more thing, Corey. Before you start answering this question, I got to set a couple ground rules. Ground rules. Number one, ground rules. Keep, keep the keep the game over man's to a minimum. Yes, and you, you, you do realize that Bill Paxton was a Texan, just like me. Okay, I, that's I don't true. Have to, I don't have to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> and and try to try to mostly stay on topic mostly <laughs> that's absolutely fine i can do that mostly. uh all right i won't I, I won't make you do the gender question just because you know it, it is a little bit disturbing that he can do that just off rip okay Corey, do you have a favorite non-hicks hudson vasquez marine uh yes frost Nice. That's, no, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. I myself am a Dietrich fan. You, you, you named what? all my favorite characters. So I had to pick him because he's the only one that gets lines. 
<laughs> Dietrich, get, Dietrich gets lines. Yeah, uh, yeah, but like it's Frost. He makes jokes. Frost <laughs> is the only one that gets jokes. Yeah. <laughs> I I do have one quick question, and then we'll like bounce into the meat and potatoes of this podcast. I asked this of Teves, and maybe Corey can feel this question a little bit better. Hudson. Yes. Is it possible that he's denied private first class because of his attitudes towards authority? He, he is, is a, a private, private first, first class. class. But he's not going any higher than that, right? Oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, no. He, he might go to specialist because, I mean, we see him. He's the tech specialist of the team. Right. But, like, he probably got bounced down at least once during his tenure, given his mouth <laughs> and giving Apone's proclivities. <laughs> okay where where do we even begin with this franchise we we love it so much all right well why don't you talk about that why don't you tell us you know some of your history with the movie and what you like and full disclosure i growing up was one of those kids that shied away from horror films even if aliens is a straight up action movie and we can get into that argument later but the, the concept of alien and horror and like that, I wasn't really into that into my teenage years. But once I got there, I was gobbling it all up. I was like, more, more, give me more, just all of it. And it has continued to this day. I watched the alien, all the director's cuts, and especially the alien special edition three-hour one on April 26, a.k.a. 426, a.k.a. Alien Day. I'd love this franchise so much. Free Hugs Day, whatever (laughs) you want to call it. Just all of it. It's one of those movies, one of those franchises like Die Hard where I cannot get enough of it. Mm. Alien whatever, take my money. Just take all of it. I mean, they they only got money from Prometheus and Alien Covenant from me one time. So I guess that that was some... That, that was something to... I, I held back on that one. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of in the same boat, except for the fact that I was forced to watch a ton of horror movies because yeah. both, of my, both of my older cousins were horror aficionados and watched every schlocky horror movie that came out between, like, 1975 and 1990. Sounds like T's and, and your stuff. cousins have a lot in common. Good yeah. stuff. And the thing is, most of them were fine, but some of them were legitimately terrifying (laughs) and you know for a little kid because i'm 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 a bit younger than these two um i mean everybody on this podcast is younger than t's when they come on all right okay (laughs) unless unless you have your dad on the podcast i don't i I see that being that's never gonna happen that's not happening (laughs) actually actually we may have to do t's and kid phoenix versus dune and have dad on nah nah. no we don't need that that would be a 12 hour podcast. <laughs> God. Well, I mean, that'd be the same length as the movie. So, you know, it's wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I say that as somebody who watched Dune for the first time at the age of three. So, you know, I, I, yes. I, I my, my, my dad is probably one of the biggest Dune fans in existence. So, oh, well, does that mean our dads have to talk? Jesus. Yeah, I mean, that's that, that'd probably work out. So, so we need to get, so we need to get you, Teebs. Our dad and your dad all on one Zoom podcast. I don't know how that would work. 
I don't think we have enough hours of daylight for that. <laughs> wow. <sighs> but anyway, um, as far as as far as that's concerned, like I've seen, I can count the number of times on one hand that I've seen Alien, the original movie. But I've probably seen Aliens probably more than 50 or 60 times. Yeah, that sounds about right for me as well. Not to say that Alien is a bad movie. It's not. I'm not. No, we are not saying that at all. Uh, It's it's just it has a different feel. And we'll get into that at the as we go through this podcast. Teebs, you got the Alien poster on your wall. You dressed up as Yafet Kodo two years ago at Comic-Con. Your bona fides are unequivocal and without question. If it wasn't for um, you, I probably would have never gotten into this franchise. I almost, I almost dropped seven hundred dollars on a functioning replica of pulse rifle. Um, I feel like Corey <laughs> or some of our friends have done that too. Oh yeah, Jander has a functioning pulse rifle, wow. and I've, I, I've been able to be lucky enough to use it at certain airsoft games, and it is fun because <laughs> it makes the noise when it fires. Yes. Why would you have a pulse rifle if it doesn't make the noise? No, I, well, yes, I'm talking about the version. Oh, that's actually, actually made out of a Tommy gun? Yeah. Yes, that actually <laughs> shoots the blanks, yeah. Alien is the first thing I remember. I don't remember Christmases or anything <clears throat> like that, but I remember being in the theater for Alien. Hold up. Our wait a second. Our father took you to see Alien when you were 4 years old. My da- our dad took us took me to see RoboCop in 1987 and snuck me in the theater to do it. What are okay. you talking about? Okay. Okay. I, I mean this this sounds like some commonality here because I saw Terminator 2 Judgment Day at the age of 6. Good and- god. Our fathers are yeah. nuts. <laughs> but Again, so it's just something that's recurring in my life. Like, I usually have recurring dreams about particularly Giger's Alien. And it's just, it's probably one of the most fulfilled creatures in cinema history. If you were to say this thing came directly out of this dude's mind and is now a thing in this movie, I think that's probably the the thing that is the most one-to-one like that's what was in my mind that's what's on the screen that's a one-to-one exactly what i was thinking i I feel like i was that creature is generally directly out of the head of hr guy so so you're saying so you're saying it's the creature version of Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, basically. It is It is the only thing that could possibly have fulfilled that spot. What uh, I'm saying is, yeah, what I'm saying I, is it's, it's, I see the your closest, point. it's the closest to a direct line into Geiger's mind. That's a and, place I never want to go. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like any other creature is just, there's compromises, or it's maybe not 100% what the artist was going for, but that was 1,000% what they were going for. Let's start with Alien and how it was how it was conceived, how it came about, why it's still so good 40 years later. 
like I've, there's a multitude of reasons, but I feel like it probably starts with it probably starts with Ridley Scott, right? Yeah, I don't know that it necessarily starts starts with Ridley Scott, but he definitely. I think it starts with H.R. Geiger. Well, I, I mean, chronologically, it starts with H.R. Geiger, but you know, from from the movie from from the from the film perspective, like I feel like it's Ridley Scott's vision that really kind of gets Geiger's ideas like on screen. I don't know. I was watching something where Ridley Scott was somewhere and he saw a bunch of Geiger's work and then he was like, this, this is what I want. Um, well, yeah, because he had an idea for a movie that basically it was called The the Passenger or something like that that dealt with a thing that got a hold of, you know, a crew on a space truck, basically, which is what the mm. Nostromo is. Mm. Right. And then you have the Dan O'Bannon part where he's rewriting it, the terror from beyond space. Right. He's playing with that idea. And like, so that kind of transforms into the, the script for Alien. But, but Alien, and I think this is true of a lot of movies that we love from this era. It has a ton of B-movie DNA. Yes. Just a ton of it. And um, when, you watch, when you watch Alien for the first time, if you're somebody that has never seen it before, you watch it for the first time, it just, it feels like, I don't want to say campy, but that's kind of the word that I'm going for. Very like, if you're watching it like today and you've seen like all kinds of modern horror films, you're going to sit there and just think to yourself, oh, oh my God, this must have been like such a B movie back when it came out. Like, no, that's not what it was no, at all. That's that's not exactly what I mean, because I think by and large, a lot of the production design and a lot of what's going on in that visually really stands up. We'll get into that later. But what I mean is, there's a lot of, and maybe this is just true of, of uh, most movies in the 70s anyway, there's a lot more kind of uh, unpolished mm. sort of um, kind of figuring it out as we go happening. And I think that energy helps that movie immensely. Uh, you kind of see that in the Star Wars franchise too when that first came out in the 70s. Right, that's what, that's that's kind of what, I, I want to say it definitely the first two Star Wars movies have. By the time they get to Return of the Jedi, like it's a factory and they know what they're, what they're doing and they're just <laughs> making it happen. But um, that ILM mer- factory, mer- merch factory to be specific. Yeah, merch factory <laughs> and just a, you know, the first two Star Wars movies, they were like, well, how the hell are we going to put this on screen? by Return of the Jedi, it's like, all right, we know how to put this on screen. Let's just do lots of it. So, <laughs> um. Um, one of the things that I think, especially that, that follows your, your B-movie DNA idea is not revealing the monster. Yes. Right. Well, it's, be- it's because, especially like in the, in the 50s and 60s, the monsters looked bad. <laughs> and, and so, you know, because they were dealing with the, the practical effects of their time. And if you wanted to make a legitimately scary movie, you didn't reveal the monster. That's, that's or kind the of final a, form of the monster or whatever. That's kind of a cost saving uh, measure, too. Right. Because I feel like if you're if you're limited in terms of like what you can do and how much money you have to do things, then maybe like 
oh, we have this we have this creature that we can use for this movie, but we only have maybe 30 minutes worth of time to actually have it on screen before it falls apart or something. Yeah, something like that, or famously, you know, Jaws. Jaws. They couldn't get the fake shark to work, so they wound up showing the shark as little as possible, and it wound up working out better for that movie in the long run. And so if we're going to move on, I think we're done with Alien for now, right? I'm sure we're going to talk For now. Well, well, it, it always comes back around. It always does. Also, the thing with Alien is that once you've seen Alien... If you rewatch it, you're rewatching it because you like the cinematography. You're not watching it to be scared again. That's uh, a good point. That's true of most horror movies. But I mean, I don't know about that because Aliens still there's parts of it that still get, you know, get you the scare because even though you know it's coming when it happens, you still jump. I think that's why and I believe this to this day. I think that's why Alien is the best horror movie ever made right alien is doing it is trying to get its horror through a different way than aliens is i mean there's only like one quote-unquote jump scare in the whole first movie yeah but the whole way that movie just keeps you on edge or at e- or or at a state of unease is what he's going for whereas in the second movie, it's more about like these pops of, of like, you know, you have a pop of horror and a pop of action, like just all these things that are. Well, uh, yeah. What, what's the difference between action, an action movie and action horror? In an action movie, the, ba- the bad guys are getting their butts kicked by the good guys, right? Right. Yeah. In an action horror, that slowly starts not to happen. That's just a credit to Derek Van Lint, who's the cin- cinematographer on Alien. Uh, it might be, but, but, I think you can credit all the camera gymnastics in that movie to Ridley. <laughs> camera gymnastics. <laughs> all right. Aliens. Hands down for me, unequivocally, best action movie of all time. Thousand, wow. Thousand percent. Wow. Yes, you heard me. Alien. Die hard, get out of here. Yeah, listen. I am, as the foremost... As the foremost trusted opinion on action movies and uh, diehard related material. Yeah, I'm sorry. Bruce Willis can kind of suck it on that one. Aliens, hands down, best action movie of all time. Well, it's a roller coaster. That's what makes it so good. Like, Die Hard stops in parts. Yes. As good as the action sequences are, it stops. Aliens, once it gets going, does not stop. Die Hard, like, it starts, and then they have to weave in the the love story between Bonnie Bedelia and and Bruce Willis, and then they get back to the action. Once the the Marines get to LV-426, like, that's it. Your heart is pumping the whole damn way rest of the film. Well, because in, you know, Die Hard, the quiet moments are truly quiet. There's no unease going on there because, you know, you've got the love scene, you've got the cop, like cutbacks um you know all that kind of stuff or just talking right yeah you know but between uh hans and and the the victims and everything like that those aren't tense moments whereas even the quote-unquote quiet parts of aliens you don't know where they are you just know that they're not immediately right here 
the, even like after the first battle in uh, sub level three, which Teebs and I always say, there's no there's no need to ever go into a sub level ever in in any movie in sub any levels are bad in any walk of life. Just all sub levels are bad. Just don't it's go basement. down there. Basement it's, basements are bad. Basements are bad. The, yeah, but it's the sub. It's the it's basement the sub- under <laughs> the basement. Jesus. <laughs> but even after that, like after the first sub level three, three. That, means, that means I got to go up two flights of stairs to get to the basement. <laughs> once they get out, of, once they get out of that, your heart is pumping like the whole time. Even when it's quiet, you're thinking to yourself, holy shit, one of these things going to start coming out of the walls and coming out of the goddamn walls again. It's true. Like that's that's what makes Aliens the the best action film in my opinion of all time. Just because once you're in on that action roller coaster, the action sequences are amazing, and the tense moments leading up to those action sequences make them even better. Absolutely. And so I have a I have a small little anecdote to share. Um, okay. Something that stuck with me. So I was one years old when when Alien came aliens came out okay my dad who is a humongous sci-fi nut um took my grandfather who was in the u.s army for 24 years oh this sounds fantastic and he was the same rank as sergeant apone army versus marines of course um (laughs) took him to the movie my granddad didn't want to go because he hates sci-fi movies he's a big western he was a big westerns man Hmm. They take him to the movie. They watch it. My granddad says absolutely nothing the entire movie. <laughs> and at the end, as they're walking out to the car, he said that that was the best movie he'd ever seen. Wow. Yeah. That checks out. Wow. It's it's the best action movie of all time. It's probably the best sequel of all time, depending on how you feel about Terminator 2. I have a question. Do you think the fact that... <laughs> Um, every single video game made after Aliens has been based on Aliens does anything to kind of diminish its impact. Like, if you start playing video games, say, at, like, age, you know, eight, and then somebody shows you Aliens at age nine or ten, are you like, yeah, I get this already. This is already everything I've already consumed. I, I guess so, but at the same time, you and I have both played Alien Isolation, and I enjoyed that game. Yeah, but my point is more like, is the impact the, the first of this... first-person shooter is, is what you're getting at, or the third well, person. Well, just in general, just like, there's so, like, so space marine culture, pretty much, which was invented <laughs> in this movie. Um, and perfected with uh, Starship Troopers. Which there's... was a parody, keep in mind. <laughs> Which was so much a part. Like, if I, pl- I mean, I think the answer is probably yes. But if I play Doom and then I come back and I try to watch Aliens, am I like, oh, well, this is just like, oh, the impact is not going to be the same, right? So, I see what you mean. I think I, I don't want to something. I, I I won't completely agree just because of the horror elements. Because even Doom, right? Doom is not that scary of a game, even though it's ostensibly about fighting demons. Right. 
the only scares you're going to get are when something pops up and you're not expecting it. But because you have all of these guns, you're not really scared of anything. And it kind of goes back to something Teeves was saying in the Ghostbusters podcast that we had. Like, yeah, you were frightened by ghosts at through uh, the Exorcist and Poltergeist and stuff like that. But once you got to Ghostbusters and saw that there were these ways to fight these things, maybe the maybe the pops weren't as bad. Yeah, I mean that that definitely helps. But I mean, then you have something like you know Nightmare on Elm Street, which is still at least the first one still a legitimately scary movie still can't watch that to this day without the lights <laughs> is on. it i i can't watch nightmare on elm street without the lights on i absolutely it's been so not. long since i've actually been scared by nightmare on elm like i watched that movie to go to sleep now like it <laughs> doesn't even matter well i mean that that's the same thing with me and tremors when i was you know i saw that movie when it came out and i was five which was probably a terrible idea on the part of everybody involved. Um, (laughs) But I didn't walk on unpaved ground for like a good year after I saw that. Oh, shit. (laughs) Because I grew up in Texas, which is flat scrub. It's not quite as desert as, you know, trimmers, but there's nowhere to go, right? (laughs) Like there's no rocks. And uh, but now, you know, I've I've seen Tremors over a hundred times. I watch it as white noise in the background. <laughs> There's something that I wanted to talk about. I made I let I, I gave both of these guys video to watch and we'll uh. put it in the in the uh, in the comments or, or in the description of the podcast. This half of the season is all about Teeves giving us homework in the summertime, which I do Basically, not appreciate. I want to talk about the idea that's out there that this movie aliens ruined the first movie <laughs> what jack how do we okay. feel about this i feel he's completely wrong we were talking about this with our reboot podcast from last week it is a different take on an existing ip it's ridley's vision next to james cameron's vision i like both visions i think they are both solid in their own ways cameron took a lot of his sci-fi noir ideas from terminator that he birthed and brought them to the alien franchise which i thought was really cool i don't think it ruined the alien franchise if you're ridley scott you probably think that way but me as an alien fan i don't think that way at all and also that that video talks about you know ridley had the ideas for prometheus and covenant that he wanted to explore immediately after Alien was made. Like, he wanted to go down that road immediately. But the thing is, we've seen Prometheus. We've seen Covenant. They are not in the same universe, except that they have xenomorphs in them. That's that's literally it. Okay. And keep in mind, keep in mind, Ridley was approached to do an Alien sequel. He just He just didn't do it. So they just said, all right, We'll give it to James Cameron. We like what he did with Terminator. Let's see what he can do with this franchise. I kind of get what he's saying. Of course you would. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 do, I do as well. But the question is, it, it's, it's looking at like the avant-garde nature of directors. Right? Yes. Because Ridley Scott is definitely in the avant-garde camp, or at least he was at the time when Alien was made. Um, and you have Cameron who was 
the Michael Bay of his time, comparatively speaking. And yeah. I mean, of course, of course, now uh, you know, looking at the sliding scale of things, he's much closer to Ridley than he is to Michael Bay. <laughs> but yeah, uh, actually, yeah, yeah, that's true. So you, you know, you run into a situation where Ridley's never going to be happy with what Cameron produced because he thinks it's mass-produced schlock. That's very interesting because yeah. they're both of their ways into filmmaking are very different. Ridley does come from this kind of art school capital f film usc film department or whatever the wherever he went or equivalent of the usc film department would be whereas jim cameron was working got into the industry through working on a bunch of jim of a bunch of uh, roger corman stuff and new world stuff so cameron has a bunch of practical knowledge and experience of working on stuff whereas ridley is more in the like coming at it more from a theoretical uh, one's an engineer and one is a scientist, basically. Right. Um, yeah, that that's great parallel. Uh, and obviously, like the engineer's take is going to be different from the from the scientist's take. It's just that you know, Aliens was still done incredibly well. It was incredibly well written and directed. The special effects, I mean, at the time they were cutting edge. I'm going to make a point that's going to tie in the other two movies because. I think, yes, does Aliens ruin Alien? Yes, that one particular track and vision of Alien to say, we want to keep this monster mysterious so that you never really know what's happening with it and what it's about. And when we go into Aliens, it's like, oh, they're just bugs. They just have... They're just insects. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I get that. But I don't think... I think you have to make that change to make a sequel that works because if you try to take alien its themes and just what it wants to do and make a direct sequel to that, you're going to end up with something that's very much like alien three. And I think, you know, like or dislike that movie, I happen to think that there's a lot of interesting stuff there. I don't know if a hundred percent works, but. um, The ideas were good. The execution was right. I think you will wind up with something like Alien 3. I think it's easier to go in that direction than it is to try to do something like Aliens again, which is like we're going to try to, you know, raise the stakes and like try to turn this into something we understand, which is what the fourth movie tries to do. Fourth movie tries to be Aliens or tries to, is trying a right. lot harder to be Aliens than the third movie and they're trying to you know push the alien into this direction of giving it a human uh, reproductive system. it's too much it's just weird it's just like what are you doing i mean like, uh, that being said though very very following in line with geiger's vision of nonsense so that i mean that <laughs> that that is something that geiger would have come up with because he's like that that is i i get what you yes but i Mm, I don't like I don't it, but it's I hate it. So here's, but here's yes, a, you're right. It, it is something I <laughs> would come up with. So here's here's a question that I have. I I apologize if it's going to be a little long winded, but take for example the like Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, Friday the Thirteenth, right? Yeah. Sequels to that, right? Where it's kind of a similar feel all the time between each between each sequel. 
it's a lot of the same thing and maybe it gets stale, maybe it's boring. If Alien had continued down that path, let's say Aliens never happens and Alien 3 is basically a direct sequel with the same kind of premise where like it's more horror-y and you don't really see the monster until then. Would people have kind of gotten sick of it by then, or would they just, or would 20th Century had been still trying to milk the franchise? Because I feel like Aliens really made it to where 20th Century Fox said, "Okay, this is a thing now." Well, well, here's an even better scenario for you to think about: What if Ridley Scott had made Covenant and Prometheus immediately after making Alien? That is a really good question. Because I mean, of course, like it would it would be an obviously different movie because the computer effects would not have been there, right? But exploring the lore, the background, everything like that. Because I mean, when you have a sequel, that's pretty much all you can do. You either raise the stakes or you explore the setting. Correct. Here's the dirty little secret of the Aliens universe. <laughs> The alien is probably the least interesting thing going on. And when you and this is what Ridley understood and and why when he took it back, he wound up doing the movies that he did. I think when you make a movie that's focused entirely on the alien and what it's about, you wind up with something like Alien Resurrection, which is yeah. like uh okay. But I think Prometheus, the thing that you have to do is you have to switch it up every time. So the first movie is like the, you know, the creepy haunted house. The second movie is the action thrillery version. The third movie is like the passion. Yeah. Like the passion of the Christ, but it's the passion of Ellen Ripley. The fourth <laughs> one is like a, a bonkers, like. <laughs> it's Winona uh, Ryder plus Sigourney Weaver meet a group of aliens. Right. The only thing redeeming about Alien Resurrection is Ron oh, 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 That's the no, only it thing. Is, um, it is uh, Serenity versus the alien. That's 100% what it is. Um, Fucking Joss Whedon. <laughs> but Prometheus, Prometheus is kind of the outlier because Alien Covenant is the weird, mad scientist. Yeah. Um, the, the thing that kills me about most about Prometheus is I'm a bit, I like to explore the lore of settings because I'm a giant history nerd. Um, and Prome Prometheus to me was the most interesting of the concepts because I yes. want to know, like, what's the space jockey? Like, who are those people? Like, yes. why? But the problem is, is that they made it into a horror movie by making everybody in the movie dumber than a box of hammers. <laughs> that's what's really frustrating and like i've i've seen a lot of stuff that's defending that particular thing that people say about prometheus and it's like no like no. yes i understand that they don't know they're in a horror movie but still like a, w there's no xenobiologist that's putting his face right in front of this of the space snake that's <laughs> not oh that, something that, that's that a giving an do. obvious threat display yeah <laughs> Or, or how about the, the geologist who has, you know, a set of drone probes that can completely map a cavern system and then proceeds to get lost in said and cavern system. And then he gets lost. Or, <laughs> or Charlize Theron not being able to go left or right. <laughs> She's that, worse than... <laughs> that one I will at least give her because here's the thing. When you're running for your life, mm -hmm. you're not thinking with higher thought processes. That's true. 
I mean, have you had a, you know, eight story building like collapsing at your face? Like they, they, they unironically spoofed that in Megamind where the, wow. the, 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 yeah. the skyscraper is falling towards Megamind and they're running in a straight line away from it. And you're like, well, wait, that's dumb. But then you, re- <laughs> but, but then you look at the background, the buildings from each side are getting torn down as the, the skyscraper is sliding down the street. So even if he had gone left or right, he would have still been, I mean, you're, you're talking about a, a ship that's at, at the very least like 20 or 30 feet wide. So even yeah. if she'd moved to the left or right, she'd have to, way left or right in order to get yeah. away. Um and then and then Covenant was just uh, there's there's so much off about Covenant. Thing is, okay. Let's I've go to kind the of dressed it as an REI catalog. I've kind of warmed to Alien Covenant a little Have bit. you? Yeah. This uh, is a monumental just, event. Just because I get that Ridley's Ridley loves androids. What are you going to do? Okay. What are you going to do? It's true. He just loves that shit. He eats that shit up. Am I, am I interested in seeing a movie about, okay. Am I more interested? (laughs) Yes. Am I, am I more interested in seeing whatever alien six turns out to be? Or am I interest more interested in seeing what happens with David and his crazy experiments on mm. this ship going forward? Like, what is he cooking up? Right. Like, is he is he cooking up dead space shit over here? Is this what's happening? <laughs> this is very interesting. I'd like to know what's going on here. Well, this I, mean, I know what's going to happen. There's going to be chest bursters, face huggers. This over here, I don't know what's going to happen. Well, and, and here's the thing: you could unironically combine the concept. Like have a salvage team show up on his abandoned, quote unquote, abandoned ship, and then you realize all the shenanigans that he's been messing around with then come to life. Isn't that right. basically aliens, though? No, because aliens, there's nobody, there's nobody tinkering. Right, there's no protagonist aside from like the alien queen. Okay, but, like you mean this an- an- antagonist? Right, antagonist. Sorry. <laughs> Because um, there's a very clear protagonist. There's a clear protagonist. Yes, yeah, there really is. Um, See, weren't you, yes, weren't, you were, weren't, weren't you shitting on my journalism degree last week, and now you don't okay. know the difference between right. an antagonist and a protagonist? All right, Jerk. everybody, just take it easy. Just calm down. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> just what gonna, I mean is, if you're going to use big nobody, words, you better know the definitions. There's nobody who is actively working against the protagonist in aliens the queen is doing her thing but she's not actively thematically opposed to uh, until ripley gets all of it up in her business right right um in this movie that in a potential sequel to alien covenant you would have david actively antagonizing people yes yes which is what and he that's did in what's covenant. interesting to me that's what he did in covenant yes but I feel like Covenant, for better or for worse, had to be attached to all this. Again, I think all the alien stuff in Covenant is the stuff that doesn't work. <laughs> ironically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, unironically, if you took the alien 
franchise baggage away from Covenant and Prometheus, they would be probably considered the best sci-fi movies of the years that they came out. Right. But because they had the alien baggage attached to them, you go in with a certain set of expectations. Even that is that spreadsheet checkbox that Tease was talking about last week. The last the last the last podcast I was talking about how movies today feel like they're running through a spreadsheet of stuff that has to be in them. And so, yeah, the only way, it seems like the only way Ridley Scott is going to get to make his weird, mad scientist Android movie is if it's wrapped in an alien shaped container, (laughs) which might not necessarily be the best fit. And with Prometheus, which had the least amount of alien baggage, like, I don't know what happened because there's, are, do you just not know how to write something and make it, and generate tension without people acting like idiots. Like, <laughs> I mean, yes, I know it makes sense in the first movie, but in the first movie, like nobody really knows what's going to happen. So. Right? You got a bunch of blue collar guys on a space truck. Like right. they, don't, they don't, they don't have an idea what this thing is. But then you, then in Prometheus, you've got a group full of specialists. They're scientists. They're scientists They're for fuck's sake. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't preclude them from making bad decisions, but they should know like they should kind of know better in some like the, in ge- some the geologist is the one who should have gotten up in the snake's face that was doing the threat display right the xenobiologist is the one who should have gotten lost in the caverns like don't right. undermine these people's specialties exactly. to make them lose what everything about prometheus that does not have to do with the script is great. <laughs> that that, 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 encom- design. that encompasses love- quite a lot, though. Okay, I should say everything that doesn't have directly to do with non-David characters. That that's like saying episode everything to do with the lightsabers in episode one was the best part of episode one. Like- <laughs> it is. That's exactly. That's exactly right. <laughs> I love everything about Prometheus except for the script, the directing, the cinematography. Jesus Christ! No, the cinematography was good. I, I, no, I thought that's the true. I was how making do, I was making a joke, but how do you feel? How do you, the, how do you feel about the grip situation for Prometheus? Outstanding work from the outstanding grips. work Listen, from the grips. We do not give the grips enough credit for what they do. <laughs> that lighting. Would he be the bestest boy perfect. in that case? He was oh. the, best boy, the key grip, the bestest boy, yeah, the better boy. After we shout out these grips, let's let's take a moment and you get know a handle on the situation. Get a handle on the situation. Uh, Anchor sponsors our podcast, so we want to make sure we're shouting those guys out. So we'll be back with uh, we'll be back with more on the Alien franchise and uh, our takes about it. It is now, I guess, my time to shine because now I get to finally give some outside alien source material its due goddamn credit. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care how you think of me after hearing this from me on this podcast. You can email me. You can tweet me. You can show up at my doorstep. I don't care. I ride hard for the Alien versus Predator franchise. That includes ABP. That includes Alien vs. Predator Requiem. That's right. I call it by its given title. To hell with both of you guys. Okay? It blends, it blends two movies that I very much enjoy. 
Alien and Predator. Did it do it seamlessly? No. There are there are there are mad problems with both. Requiem for sure. I understand that. The idea of the Alien versus Predator series, where there is a pyramid that was built by the Predator colony, the the Yayucha. Please, 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 you don't have to do. A, you don't have to do a rundown of the story. Make you don't brief. need a, you don't need to you don't I need do a not synopsis. need a synopsis. Just just briefly. Okay, so the idea there's aliens there's aliens there's predators they fight each other then they do it again. There's Let's the alien there's the aliens there's the Ayucha, and they're just getting at it. And the setup for the original AVP movie is it's a nice coming of age film for predators jesus christ 16 candles with with mouth fangs is that exactly that's what it is that's what it is i would actually be into that that's not what these movies (laughs) are (laughs) okay i understand what they were trying to do with requiem raise the stakes and kind Uh, of Grab cash. That's what they were trying to do. Jesus yeah, some, somebody needed cash. a new pool. That, that, <laughs> okay. that, that's, that's what that movie was. It was. Uh, I need. I, I need. I need a new Lambo. Yes. Re, yes. Rico Aylesworth. <laughs> Rico Aylesworth had run out of twenty four checks, and she needed to do something. Yes, I know. Boat payments. The movie. Boat payments. <laughs> anyway, jerks. I feel like Alien versus Predator Requiem. They they tried to. I don't want to say this, even though it's going to come off as sacrilegious. They they tried to do the same thing that they did with uh, aliens in the sense that they turned the xenomorphs into basically bugs and tried to do it on that scale. So they tried to go point for point with the aliens movie with AVP Requiem. And yes, it and was, they even threw a little resurrection in there because they were like, and a little not, resurrection is it's, it's not even we're raising the stakes. The aliens are bugs. No, 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 no. We have a pred alien. He's the supreme being. Yes, he, I get where you're coming from, Tease. Where you think that both AVP movies are cash grabs. I totally agree with you. I, I like AVP. The original, I don't think the, the first one is fine. I don't think AVP is all that bad. I don't think Requiem is all that bad. I don't think it's as bad as people think it is. I appreciate the attempt to put aliens and predators in a movie together because it, it kind of made sense to me. Alien versus Predator comic books were fantastic. Okay. Yeah, comic books are fine, but the problem is, again, monsters are usually the most after the first thing that they're in and once you understand the rules unless you're going to continuously change those rules which gets annoying after a while or uh, or up the stakes right monsters are generally the most boring part of the monster movie yeah and this is about two monsters well how come there hasn't been another successful predator movie Predator's the same. Predator's actually gotten much better, but there's no Arnold. So if there's no Arnold, nobody wants to see it. And the same thing with both, the same thing with the Alien franchise. Even though you've got Sigourney Weaver, like you're missing all the other stuff that makes those movies interesting. Namely, you know, Ridley Scott and a lot of Coke. And <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly, allegedly. 
and James Cameron just out here trying to do Starship Troopers. Like, those are the things that make those movies interesting, in my opinion. But just putting the alien and Predator together, like, I can do that with my figures in my backyard. I don't need a movie for that. I mean, dude, you're, 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 you're saying you're that that's like saying like certain Star Wars movies, like look at Dave Filoni's work. That's basically what he's done for the last yes. five years. And yes. it's been amazing. The Mandalorian is. Well, it's Dave not even Filoni. just the Mandalorian. It's, it's rebels. It's right, 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 right. And, and all it is, is him playing with his toys <laughs> on a really, really big playground. I'm okay. If they just want to like put their toys in the backyard and just, and just film it. I'm happy to do it. That's fine, but you have to do that in an interesting world. Otherwise, I'm out. At least Dave Filoni is is working in the Star Wars universe. AVP is not even in the same universe as the, as any of this other stuff. Really, it's like off on its own thing. I mean, Raylan and Yutani both show up in AVP. I, I think sure. AVP works really well as a prequel to. Uh, Prometheus. Prometheus. Yes, I, I think it. Yeah. I th- I think it does because that is interesting. Because of the 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 lore explanation, like they didn't just say okay, they gave a reason for this thing to happen. It wasn't just suddenly it happens. And that's what Requiem was. Look, Which yes, like Re- Requiem was. Hey, you saw that movie we just made? Hey, this is what's happening now. <laughs> All I can say is it's no Freddy versus Jason. That's all I can say. Nothing will ever be Freddy versus Jason. (laughs) Nothing will ever be that epic in terms of crossovers, ever. Unless we finally get RoboCop versus Terminator. But I I severely doubt that James Cameron would sign on for that. Um, The history of alien-related video games has been really spotty. And we talked about Fireteam a little bit to start start the programming. And we kind of talked about it when Teeves brought up playing Colonial Marines and seeing aliens for the first time after the fact. But how do you screw up an Aliens movie, an Aliens video game, specifically one that's based on aliens, especially given the fact that like everybody and their mother is developing a first person shooter? Well, it depends on where you take your beats from, to be perfectly honest. That's true. And we we talked about this, and I enjoy the fact that Fireteam is taking a lot of cues from Left 4 Dead, which I think is perfect. Or as close to perfect as you can get. But again, it's so hard because Aliens has this kind of focus shift between horror and action, and it's hard to pull that off in a game, I think. I'm not saying it's impossible. I mean, I think there's some games that do it really well, like... Um, some of the Resident Evil games do it really well, and like right. the Fear, the F E A R games. Oh man! And uh, or or Silent Hill, which you're a huge fan of. Actually, the Metro games do a pretty good job too. Metros but, are uh, good too. Um, even to even little nightmares to an extent. But again, with any alien related franchise game, you're going to have a bunch of stuff on the spreadsheet. Yeah, and trying to do that along with get this horror stuff in and make it compelling you know action it's tough although i think you could still do a better job than they did with colonial marines 
So for so for people that aren't aware, like Fire Team is a really it's a pretty short game in terms of like the campaign, right? It's only going to be like three different campaign well, levels. Yeah, like he said, it's 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 more around it's more left for dead. You jump on with your friends, you play through this campaign and like it takes you maybe 40 minutes to an hour and you're done. And does then that you make can replay it, that again? Does that make it better or worse because it's not as long? For example, well, and they could also add missions to it later. I right, mean, that's that's not stopping. But yeah, it, it's basically come in for a couple matches. Let's let's deal with the xenomorphs, and then we're done for the evening. Which there is a merit to that. There's a re- there's a replayability factor to something where like it takes you forty five minutes to complete a story. And if they get everything else right on that spreadsheet, then it makes you want to keep coming back. Even if you have to just like increase the difficulty level, whatever. Well, well, what happens is you don't have to hit everything on the spreadsheet right now. If you know you're going to be adding content down the line. Yeah. Okay. Like you can say, all right, well, if people want power loaders, we can put that in later. Right. You know what I mean? But the framework framework has to be there. Or if you want to give people the opportunity and like put a patch in and make it like, one mode is like predator hunting grounds that game that came out where there's uh like emmet like there's there's people that can control the aliens somehow there's an alien versus predator game that came out i want to say in the early 2000s where you could play as the predator as the alien or as the marines i remember that game any of you know do you know what i'm talking about Corey? i i i i I remember seeing it but i don't remember the name because at, at the time I was neck deep in in JRPGs, so gotcha. like that out, out of my field. Yeah, there is okay, but like in that game, you can play as the alien, and it's kind of cool because you can like run up on the ceiling and do stuff like that, and like you have like alien sense, so you can. So I I might be into a P. Uh, well, just look uh, for Dead by Daylight, like where you play right. the serial killer versus the victims, like it's that same dynamic. Uh, or, or famously Friday the Thirteenth, the game. I, Rest I, in I, peace. I have yeah, right. Uh, the name of the game, T, that you're referring to is actually just called Alien versus Predator. That's all it's yeah. called. There, but yeah, but since there are like six games called Alien versus Predator, yeah, uh, the 2010 version that debuted on the Jaguar. That that one. Wait a minute. Yeah, I'm. You look it up. I'm serious. That's what it says. There was not still Atari Jaguar in 2010. Stop. Oh, it. Hold on. Maybe it was made by Atari Games. Maybe I just stopped. Read it. I think it was made by Atari, but it was not on the Jaguar. You mean <laughs> the console that came out in like '94? That was the first quote unquote 64-bit console. Quote unquote. But wasn't it all 64-bit? Yeah. Yeah. It, it was just live-action film that they put on a, <laughs> a game. Right. Uh, the team behind the Atari Jaguar game and uh, Microsoft Studios uh, published it for PS3 and 360. That's what it was. I'm sorry. So it was an Atari game. But there's an Alien versus Predator FPS that comes out for the PlayStation, I think, um, which has a lot of full motion video. Or not full motion video, but it's kind of like that not quite 3D kind of doom Right. Teams and I, we we stand pretty hard for alien isolation on this podcast. 
I mean, it's it's a very it's a it, it's probably the closest thing to Alien that you're going to get in a video game. Yes, it is for my money probably one of the best five video games I've ever played. Damn, yeah. that that's 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 a pretty strong opinion, and I respect you for that. But that's, uh, that's you're wrong. That's, that's saying <laughs> wow. Because of the need for content, content, content from you know big budget Hollywood uh, movie industry or like Netflix or Hulu or anything like that is is an alien series is that kind of sacrilege or do you have to get the right team involved and keep the right team for years upon years upon years I mean I I think you could make a short series like maybe seven to ten episodes tops of an alien imagine the movie alien the start of it right yes to the end of aliens as like a as like a 10-part series oh that's dope i like that idea actually famously for the 40th anniversary of alien a couple years ago they actually commissioned a bunch of filmmakers to do like a series of shorts and that was kind of interesting. Maybe if you were to do a series, it would be something like that. Just different people interacting with different parts of the alien universe. But um, yeah, I feel like I feel like you'd have to draw out attention so long in order to get to where you need to go. Four or five episodes out of it. No, just like you're going to wind up with episodes. Of where like nothing is really happening, but you're just tension building. Um, yeah, I mean, you mean, Teams is directly referring to season two through six of The Walking Dead, basically. Oh, it's not even that. It's just like kind of with both of these movies. Once the the once the monster the, shows up, it's, it's yeah. Once it's the car right. goes right, once the car goes over the hill and starts going down the roller coaster, like. You kind of are locked in. You're kind of locked in, yeah. The only place to stretch out and make it into a series is before that happens. And like that is very tough to keep people interested or keep people on the edge of something. And that's also the hardest thing to do. And I also feel like it makes it difficult too, because if your if if your desire is to like fit in some of the holes between like for example uh prometheus and alien like there's there's not much there and at that point you're kind of like making shit up on the fly right right it's 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 not like the thing that star wars had where you had the big budget movies but there's this whole universe that it's sitting in that can be explored by you know tv shows like the mandalorian or 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 rebels or clone wars or things like that right where you get to dive into the nitty gritty small scale stuff because there, there, it doesn't have that kind of robust universe to 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 play with. Because nobody is going to be interested in a series about Alien, and half the season is about you know the humans or like you get Paul Reiser in there and he's doing his thing trying to set up colonies and stuff like that. I don't think anybody will really find that interesting. I mean. It's not not interesting though. Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind watching an episode, like uh, 
you know, like a flashback episode of Paul Reiser setting up all this shit, like telling them, oh, you should go check out this quadrant over here. I hear there's some shit over there. There's some and dope like, shit over there. Unironically, like, a miniseries might work, like maybe three to four episodes. Mm. Yeah. Where they're like one to two hours a piece, where it basically like de- it, it doesn't necessarily you're not building the tension the whole time. Correct. Right. But a like, one to but a but a one to three hour series is like a movie. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I mean, well, I mean, think of think of the stand, like the original oh, OG nineteen yeah. ninety, the stand. Right. Yeah. That's a thousand page book. You're not cramming that into a two-hour movie. Exactly. Um, And so, you know, you've got six six to eight hours worth of of TV movie, right? And then they tried to make the full series, the full stand TV series, and it still ends up coming out to eight to ten hours worth (laughs) of material because it's a humongous book. Um, You know, you run into the situation with Alien, and Aliens, like, you could do... A, a viewpoint of the colonists getting LV-426 overrun. Like, you could do an episode that's, like that. I like that. Where you, that's where you'd have to take it. You'd have to put all the Hadley's Hope stuff in between uh, your two aliens. And there's some story bits from Alien Isolation you could get in there, too. But, um, but yeah, but it would... The only way it works is you would have to shift focus away from the alien onto people or something else and that might fundamentally people might just tune out after that (laughs) well what you do is you do what every good director of tv and movie does is make those characters sympathetic and relatable and then murder them (laughs) (laughs) now because teves uh is i i guess he's financed by buzzfeed we're we're contractually obligated to do lists on just about every episode so just three of your favorite things just three not five like ghostbusters just three three of your favorite things about aliens the the franchise as a whole doesn't have to be alien specifically but if all three are from aliens that's but the aliens franchise yes yes so for me one of the best things about the alien franchise is the going from one idea to another going from one genre to completely other genre but in my opinion being the best of each genre alien is the best horror movie of all time aliens is the best action movie of all time and somehow whoever at 20th century got in the building got in the boardroom and nailed both of them absolutely flawlessly the fact that they could do that like that seamlessly is one of the best things about this franchise. My first thing is the sound design for Aliens. It's one of the few movies that I can tell what you're watching just by listening to it. Yep! Uh, 100%. Not even... There's there's like two sound effects. I only need to hear two sound effects and I know it's Aliens. (laughs) Well, one's the Pulse Rival. What's the other? Uh, motion the tra- motion tracker. Oh, yeah. Yes. So my my first thing is actually the way that they did the character development in Aliens by virtue of the shooting schedule, because they filmed the scenes where all the Marines are together 
at the beginning. They filmed it at the very end. So after a six month shooting process, mm-hmm. everybody was comrades with each other, which mm-hmm. comes through for the in the film because that's how soldiers act. That did feel really genuine to me now that I think about it. I mean, th- th- that's one of the things that I-, I talked about with my granddad when, you know, we were talking about this movie back in the back when he was still alive is they they don't act like elite Marines. They act like Vietnam draftees. Really? Marine draftees. Because Marine draftees didn't care. Right. And they, they haven't seen anything yet. And they're like, they're machismo. Think they can... Right, exactly. All right. Um, wait, really quickly. Sorry, quick detour. But I've, there's something that I found out or something that I remembered about this movie that I just want to quickly uh, what if here. Mm-hmm. So do you know who was originally cast as Hicks? Um, I don't know his name, but I know that there's a couple of shots where you can yeah. see him back in the movie. So out there in a parallel universe somewhere in the multiverse is a version of this movie where Dwayne, where Corporal Dwayne Hicks is played by James Remar. Oh my God! <laughs> yep. James Remar, if you don't know, is Ajax in the Warriors and also Gans, Gans in 48, 48 hours. hours. That is amazing. This move, this movie feels totally different with James Remar as Hicks. Uh, I said this on the Ghostbusters podcast as one of my favorite things about the Ghostbusters franchise, and I have to bring it back. But Sigourney Weaver, so much Sigourney Weaver goodness in the eighties. She bookended one Alien movie with Ghostbusters two, but Alien to Ghostbusters, to Aliens, to Ghostbusters 2. Unequivocally one of the better runs in Hollywood. And then again, she had and then she had Working Girl in there. And Corey, I don't know if you listened to the Ghostbusters podcast, but this was the point that I made about Sigourney Weaver. She went from a horror movie of Alien, had the comedic chops to do Ghostbusters. Went and back, went back, <laughs> and went back to being a badass in Aliens, and then went back again to the comedic stylings in Ghostbusters too. Well, it, it's that could not have been easy to do. You, well, no, it actually is when you think about it, uh, because especially the Aliens to Ghostbusters two. Look at Dana versus Ellen Ripley. Okay, she's playing the same character. In Ghostbusters 2 or both of them? In Ghostbusters 2. Because she's playing the the angry mama bear like the entire time. That's right. That is an interesting, that is a very interesting point. She, she, she's playing the same character in both in both sets of films. Wow, Corey just, I mean, it, Corey it, just blew my fucking lid right now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Because, I mean, the, the whole point of, you know, in Ghostbusters is that she was the strong, intellectual woman who don't need no man. Uh-huh. And that's kind of how Ellen Ripley was in Alien. She was, she, she wasn't, like, the, the strong, she wasn't Alien wow. Ripley, but she was, she was the same type of character. She, but she was a blue-collar version of that. But she's the only sensible ber- person on board, basically. 
that is that has completely added an entire new element to why I love Sigourney Weaver in those four movies. Because now it makes me feel like all four of those movies were written specifically for Sigourney Weaver because they knew she could pull it off. Well, the the first one, the first Alien wasn't like they could have they could have every if I remember correctly, they said every role could be filled by anybody. Mm. Like they were designed for both male and female people. Like except Yafet Kodo, except Yafet Kodo. You get Yafet Kodo, that's it. That's it. You just sign him to the dotted line. That's it. Well, well, that's not what I'm saying though. He could have been anybody on the crew, is what I'm saying. Oh, like, okay. Because everybody in the crew was designed for a, a male or female part. Like they were right. written. And wow. There's no, there's no, that's why there's no um, first names. Everybody's just by last name. Yes. Anybody could have played any part. Yeah. We don't, we don't learn that Ellen Ripley is her first name until aliens. Right. right. Okay. Mr. Corey, number two for you. Number two for me is the loading scene. In aliens, fantastic. When, when they're getting when, when they're getting everything prepped, getting everybody on the drop ship. That that two minute sequence from when they start packing up to when they're in orbit is my favorite part of the entire movie until they meet the aliens. Well, of course, because because you're like, holy shit, this is going to be awesome. This is an action movie. We're gonna we're going to go and see and see him kick ass, and then. When they get out of the planet, they're like, "Oh, oh no!" Oh, you're oh, in no, the no. you're in the movie theater thinking, "I'm on an express elevator to hell." Yes. <laughs> Judging you, you right said, now. "Listen, Going you said you said no down. game over, man." I have not said that yet. <laughs> no, you were down. telling me not to. Just like this podcast. <laughs> I tease number two. <laughs> number two for me kind of plays off of. Uh, Corey's number two but specifically it has to do with Ripley's space rebox and creative product placement oh my god the space rebox those are those would be slides in 2021 like you buy rebox slides like that right now I appreciate the space rebox I appreciate Marty's 2015 uh self-lacing nikes like come on if you gotta have your stuff in there make it a chance to world build that's all i'm gonna say (laughs) you just like shoes man it's okay no that's me actually (laughs) i don't judge the the power loaders were caterpillar branded like you can they're, they're bright yellow which gives it away but there's actually a cat symbol on the side of the power lifter really yes I have to look at, I have to fine tune comb that then. Hold on. And after the movie dropped, there were several construction companies that called up Caterpillar asking, where can we get one of these? And that's when they had to explain it's a movie prop. (laughs) (laughs) There's actually a dude back there moving the thing. It's like, are you guys, are you guys working on shit and not telling us? Like, what's going on here? Number three. I don't want to say Alien Three because it's just it, it it's just too the synergy of making Alien Three my number three is just not. But the cast of Aliens, Sigourney Weaver, Michael Bean, Bill Paxton, like the the blending of the extended Cameron universe with the Aliens franchise, I thought that was fantastic. Some of the most quotable phrases 
in my personal cinema history come from aliens. Vasquez is like this super badass Marine, but she also has this like heart and soul that she kind of brings to the team. And then Newt, a personal friend of the the podcast, by the way, she has tweeted and retweeted us before. Um, Even though all of her, most of her lines were screaming, like I feel like all the actors and actresses involved in Aliens, I feel like they caught the right blend of people at the right time in this action movie combine that with the special effects and everything i just i just love can i just say aliens is my number three like just 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 that movie we're just the movie we're doing a podcast for that this is for specifics all right okay all right fine then yeah the, the cast of aliens because i like I do like the cast of the original Alien movie with Yafet Koto and Sigourney Weaver. Tom, Tom Skerritt, Ethan Holm, John Harry Hurt. Dean Stanton. Harry Dean Stanton. Jesus who's, Christ. Who's the OG blue-collar guy because he plays the exact same character in every movie. It doesn't <laughs> matter if it's in Deep Space or in Marvel's New York. He's playing the exact same dude. I, or I, down uh, Periscope, too. The... the, the the cast of aliens is just perfect. Like I can't, I can't get around that at all. Michael Bean being as serious as he was, Bill Paxton just being the the jerky private that's eventually that's ultimately going to get everybody extra push ups. Like all of it. So so funny, funny you should mention that. If you watch Aliens, watch Bill Paxton's hair. I know it's it sounds like a weird thing, but it, it's something I, I've noticed watching the movie as many times as I have it correlates to his mood. Wow. Because if his hair is spiked, he's good. He's, he's in a good place. But every time he's in a bad situation, his hair is lank and just laying over his face. And then after Sigourney Weaver, like gives him the pep talk and tells him to get his crap together. It's his spiky hair's kind again. Of half, it's half spiked. Like it's, it's going back up. Ugh. And I, I I know that man doesn't have a towel to like dry his hair, so it's it's mood hair. That that's the only it's mood hair. <laughs> like everything about aliens is perfect. The cast, the special effects, the cinematography, the grips, the perfect grips for aliens. Uh, that's going a little far. I don't know if it's perfect, but it's really good. All right. Yeah, I mean it's a nine point eight, man. The, the and- ten is. I don't think any movies hit the ten. That's uh, fair. It's a, yeah, it's a solid nine for me. But uh, that's just because you don't deal in percentages. I watched it last night. There's some stuff that uh, I mean, it's it's kind of flat, and it's certainly way more dated than Alien. Also, so. also, you're well, in. I, also, Teams is in the minority where he prefers the theatrical version to the director's cut. I don't know if I. I don't know if I like the entire theatrical version. I think the fact. I think the one scene where you go to Hadley's Hope before when you cut away, when you cut after her, uh, after she's in the meeting with Van Leeuwen and the executives, you cut away to Hadley's Hope. Right. I hate that. I think it ruins that whole part of the movie where they're trying to build tension by. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. exactly. And for, for us to, Phil T was quoted at BuzzFeed. We'll, we'll give him his number three. My number three is just the design of the creature itself. Like I said, it's probably one of the Ooh. most fully realized monster 
characters in in all of film. Yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I, I feel like there was a definite vision there and it was 100 percent done with the creator in mind. And he definitely had like his input and it's it's just all there. Like what was envisioned is 100 percent what's on screen. And it's fucking terrifying. Well, yeah, because it's it's every anatomical fear into one package. Yeah, it's a a shark. (laughs) It's a shark on top of uh, a a tiger. A tiger. (laughs) It's just the perfect killing machine with acid for blood. Jesus Christ! Oh yes. So what? How else can how else can we make this thing more terrifying? Let's just make it blood acid. Fuck yes! Let's do that. In in a way, it's almost like a. Uh, like a six-year-old describing their 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 scary right. monster. Right. It's like yeah exactly. yeah it's it, it doesn't just have big teeth. It's got a it's got a teeth inside a teeth, and it's like yeah. what? Yeah. <laughs> and it's it got comes, this giant knife tail. The it, the design of it comes from a very primordial place, and I think you can understand instantly by looking at it that this thing is no good and it means business so even seeing it in broad daylight like you see it in oh my god in covenant which is like breaking one of the number one rules of of horror movies although daylight horror is its own thing right um but even seeing it in broad daylight it's still unsettling it's like your it's like your mind is trying to understand what's happening but it can't yes (laughs) Like they're they're but at the same time it follows all the rules. Right. It's it's not like an unknowable creature. Right. Such a such a perfect franchise. So, so such from, a perfect from, franchise. Such a perfect uh, monster. Just near perfect movies because we've established that there are no tens. Uh near perfect. Oh, there's there's tens. I just I don't think aliens is one of them. All right, we'll have to discuss that on a later podcast because yeah. yeah. you know because you know congo is definitely 10 for me and on that note <laughs> uh so so my my, my number three before yeah. adio gets off on a on on a long-winded diatribe about sesame cake um <laughs> is the world building that they've done yes like in alien aliens alien three and in avp the first thank you they do good world building like they make the setting make sense like when i saw the space jockey for the first time in alien i was like what is that thing Mm. where did that come from what does it mean and that's the questions you don't want to answer for the audience yes because it's unsettling because you see this big thing that has something a hole coming out of its chest and you're like what happened to it (laughs) because if it's something that's like nine feet tall had that how did that happen yes and that's part of the problem with having such a long-running series is you start answering questions that were never meant to be answered yes it takes away from the it takes away from the uh the mystique about it because that that's that's the balance of world building like in a sci-fi epic like or a space opera like star wars more world building good like it's never a bad thing to have more world building. Even all the people that hated Rogue One for 
the pointlessness of it existing, it's still world building. And that's right. one, once it exists, it's not a bad thing that it exists. Did it need to be made? Probably not. Is it a good movie? Oh, I think so. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, it's the aliens of Star Wars. It brought the war back in Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, the shorts that I mentioned earlier that they did for the 40th anniversary, um, they actually do expand a lot on the world building. You should check them out when you have a chance. I, I definitely will. Um, but I, but that brings me back to my my biggest joy of movies, which is a genre movie that has other things in the franchise. Like my one of my favorite pet movies is The Winter Soldier. Yes. Why is that movie so good? It's a spy movie with Captain America in it. Exactly. It's not a Captain America movie with spies. That's the same thing with you know Aliens. It's a war movie with monsters this was so enjoyable on so many levels uh thank you Corey, for joining us no problem i enjoyed it uh if you haven't already like follow subscribe to the podcast i am kid phoenix on twitter teams is at atiba k Corey, if you have a twitter feel free to shout it out unless you don't want people uh uh contacting you with my mengees my, my Twitter handle is K-O-R-I Tech T-E-C-H Philly. Nice. Corey Tech, Corey Tech Philly. Like, subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review if you listen to us on iTunes. And uh, I feel like there's no better way to end this podcast than quoting the great Bill Paxton. Game Rest over. in peace. Rest in peace. Game over, man. Game over. <laughs> That's the podcast. We got nothing else for you. We got nothing. We got nothing. I mean, listen, we got nothing left. Go back to taping a flamethrower to your M41A pulse rifle. Yes! That's what you were doing. Um, (laughs) Or get an Ithaca for Close Encounters. There we go. (laughs) No better way to end this podcast than on that. Uh, Go out. Watch the Alien franchise. It's not streaming anywhere, but damn it. It's worth four bucks on Amazon Prime Video. Rent that bitch. We're telling you, it's great. Get in there. We'll and talk- especially watch it with somebody who's never seen it before. Yes. May- yeah. If you have a friend that's into horror movies and has never seen Alien, watch it with them. It's, it's just going to make it that much more enjoyable for you. That's all we got for this week. We're getting out of here. That's it. Go watch Aliens. Watch your motion trackers. Talk to everybody next week. Thank you.